0: what's going on everybody and welcome to the first in tech podcast i'm your host technician sports editor camden spate i'm assistant sports editor nicholas Schnecker. and today we're going to have a kind of revolving door of guests here and i'm really going to call it the episode where i bring on people that know much more about the respective sports than i do is that is that why i'm here that's why you're always here for soccer yes Yes, i figured that was the case but first we're going to start with tristan tucker here today a staff writer for technician sports he's going to talk to us about basketball. He's making his second appearance of the semester, so welcome yes. back, Tristan.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk about hoops. Absolutely. Disappointment of NC State hoops. Well, we'll get
0: that, so hey, listen, to that listen. for
2: sure. Yep. We're going to talk about women's basketball, too, so we can be happy.
0: That's true. We will do get yeah, to Yeah, true, true. But first, like we will at the beginning of every episode, we're going to talk about something from the sports world. And as we kind of a little bit discussed right before we went on air, we're going to talk about Memphis and the – Wild sequence of events that's going on right now with uh, James Wiseman and basically he was declared ineligible because his coach um, Hardaway paid his family paid for his family to move to Memphis. That was back in 2017. It ended up being that Hardaway was his high school coach at the time. Hardaway is now the coach at Memphis. So Wiseman is now at Memphis. And the NCAA declared that he was ineligible because basically Hardaway was a Memphis booster and helped uh Wiseman go to Memphis in a way. So kind of wild series of events there because Wiseman's supposed to be, you know, one of the best players coming out of the um going into the NBA draft this year. But now Memphis and, well, Wiseman went to a local court and got a temporary restraining order so that he can play in the first game, which was I think last week, and now in the second game, which I think is tonight against Oregon. That at the time we we're recording this.
2: Right? I I was in a press box actually when this broke. I was over at Wake Med for the women's soccer ACC semis. Right. Kind of. And it started breaking on Twitter and it kind of slowly like rolled across the press box like. Like I got it on Twitter, and then I saw a couple of the SIDs read it on Twitter and a couple of the other reporters, and everybody kind of started chatting about it during the game, especially during halftime. And it was interesting to get a lot of different opinions on it and hear people talk about it. But the general gist that I heard from everybody was, at first it was like, okay, you know, this is kind of weird. And then once the more facts started rolling out about why he was ineligible, everyone was kind of like, okay, we don't like this.
1: Yeah. That was the general yeah. gist
2: I got of like, I don't like this because it feels just – it doesn't sit right with me. I can't really describe exactly why, but you ever hear something and it's just like, no.
0: Yeah, I don't – I'm not really sure, you know, all the details here. I've only really read the very generic stuff, but if in a strange series of events he is playing right now, despite him being ineligible and despite the NCAA saying that he is ineligible – And I think Memphis is really taking a leap of faith here. And it's kind of challenging the NCAA in a way that we've seen in the past, but maybe not necessarily to this degree. And it kind of reminds me of Memphis back, what was it, 2008 with uh, Derrick Rose and that whole situation there because that was kind of similar where the NCAA (laughs) said he was eligible for the year.
1: And then at the end of the year, they vacated all the wins. I think it's really unfair uh, overall. Um, I, I think it's the whole situation is just really wild. Imagine if this happened with Zion last year. Because Wiseman is really, really good. Uh, I think he averages like 23 points a game. He's got like four blocks a game. Uh, and they're playing right now. He hasn't scored yet. But he's, like you mentioned, probably the top prospect or collegiate prospect at least. Um, I know R.J. Hampton and uh, LaMelo Ball are up there. But I I just think it's really unfair, and I think it's causing a distraction for Memphis. I mean, they don't know if their best player is going to play. Sure, they have Boogie Ellis as well. um, But I I just think that all around this is an unfair uh, step here. Um, And the fact that the NCAA just allowed players to uh, make a profit off of their... Name and likeness. It kind of seems well, they, they opened
2: the door for it. It's
0: right. not yeah, quite. Yeah, a lot, it's yeah, not, yeah, it's not. It's they, not it yet, it seems like the NCAA in this scenario. I I almost kind of respected the NCAA just for a split second there when they came out and said, "Okay, we're gonna move toward the players making money," and yeah, then they yeah, exactly. they kind of just took three fourths a step backwards exactly. with but what's going that's on. That's
2: the most NCAA thing. It, I mean, they're it, right. They do one thing, and you're like, "Okay, yeah. you know what." good job, NCAA. And then another thing, you are know, like, okay, now you lost me.
0: Yeah. I don't, I don't, I think it's also unfair. The NCAA is really making, it seems kind of a rash decision here because it was something that happened back in high school. And at that point, it's like, I don't, I don't really care. I don't care that, you know, harder that, you know, he did that. Like, it's like, it doesn't matter to me at that point. And, and now he's in college and it hasn't seemed like anything else has come out like he's taken any more money since he's gotten to college so i don't see why
2: here's my thing with it it's like he was his high school coach at the time right yeah so my thing about that is is that probably did have an impact on why he chose memphis because Hardaway's there right yeah definitely but what's to say that's any different than say your dad's best friend from college is now a football coach at
0: right it's like james madison
2: of, university you're like i want to go james madison because yeah. it's my the guy i basically view as an uncle and i at don't that see point, what's different like, at that I'm, point
0: you know hardaway's not sitting there being like oh i know i'm going to be the coach at memphis in a couple of years like yeah. that's yeah, not how that definitely. works no. yeah. like
2: he didn't have this 19 step <laughs> plan to like okay i'm gonna get this player at my high school i'm gonna be really good friends with him and then i'm gonna become at memphis and i'm gonna get right. him at memphis like there's there's like a 0.001 chance that happened and at that point, if you're the NCAA, you shouldn't care about that point zero zero one percent chance. And they're saying chance. that
0: he, it's a big deal because he's a booster. When yeah. it was a donation that was like a decade ago.
1: Yeah, I understand the NCAA being really like by the book, um, but I just think that they need to be more understanding but of certain situations. They they're,
2: aren't by the book on anything else. That's what annoys
0: me.
1: Well, they, I, I think it's that all of a sudden they have these dumb rules and they yeah. kind of know they're dumb
0: but they have to uphold them because they're their rules yeah. like i don't think they ha- really have a choice but it's you know.
1: I, I just wish they would go and like look at like instant uh, like certain instances and uh, and change their uh their rules because i think having these concrete rules is really uh making players suffer i read a uh a story uh a few months ago in august i think um, about a football player that was denied a waiver um to play closer to his mom who had like a tumor. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah,
2: I do remember in that too. Yeah, yeah,
1: and I thought that was just awful. Yeah. Just completely awful. And he, yeah,
0: I think the reasoning was because like something like his mom like wasn't as sick as she needed to be for that waiver to go through. And yeah, that is the, ridiculous. I, yeah. I, hate,
2: I hate that you can send that go as sick like yeah. and then that you don't know everyone's situation yeah. and that wasn't like the that. exact
0: wording but it was something of the way that like yeah. we're not going to allow this waiver to go through because of you know your mom's not quite yeah. in the state that you say she is
1: and um another one or it might be the same situation but um part of one of the the waivers is that um the family member must be within an 100 mile radius of the school and uh his was 105. Uh, yeah, and he I don't wasn't know if that was the same to... one. You're, yeah, yeah, but I've heard that before it's, too. That's it's, ridiculous. Yeah.
0: Anyway, we're gonna get away from the NCAA because we could talk about them for a while. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. We're gonna move into men's basketball. Um, that's why Tristan is here to talk Man, some hoops.
2: We're going from one thing where it's you love it one second, you hate it the other, to another you love it one second, you hate it the other.
0: And you know the whole Memphis thing could come into play because NC State will play Memphis in Brooklyn. That's November 28th but for now NC State is coming off its first win against Detroit Mercy 84-65. Marco Johnson played in that game, only scored 3 points, however did have I think it was 7 rebounds and 10 assists. So productive despite not scoring um and you know Braxton Beverly had a career high 23 to some people, you know, really questioning you know, whether he was a productive member of the starting lineup. So, um, Tristan, what is kind of your take from that game? It seemed, you know, it's honestly closer than I would have liked it to be, you know, only 19 points. Definitely. But, you know, overall, I think the team played fairly well.
1: Um, my main takeaway is that we we stopped them <laughs> and it, it looked uh, a lot better than I thought it would, because um, I know Markell was back. But coming off of an injury and having to face off against Antoine Davis, who uh, broke Steph Curry's three-point record last yeah. year, uh, single threes in a season, uh, it's pretty impressive. He he still dropped 28 points, but they held him to 20% shooting from deep, um, I think a little bit under 50%, um, just standard shooting from the floor. Um, I think that Beverly looked good here, and he, he really uh, earned my respect here, but I, I still question – uh, how he will play going forward. I, I would not start him uh, going forward. I think he still needs to be a guy that comes off the bench. Uh, I saw something kind of recently um, by a member of the analytics team last year, and he showed that like when Braxton Beverly takes a three-point shot um, one or two steps behind the three-point line, which is where he takes the majority of his shots, he shot something like really abysmal, like 10%, 15%. Right. Yeah. When he takes one step closer... He makes like fifty percent of them. I think his That's awareness, really his, actually. his awareness is not where you want it to be. Yeah, he's he's a talented shooter. He is um, an untalented player isn't going to shoot six of eight right. uh, from three in a game. But I would like them to manage him a little bit better. I think he is much better utilized as a spark plug off the bench as opposed to someone that consistently starts. I think here it worked because Markel Johnson was coming off of an injury, but as he as he continues to get better and he's not going to shoot one of 6 every night from 3 or one of 8 from the floor. He's going to get better and he's going to want he's going to demand more shots. Um he's cuz he's going to he's going to need to take them for this team to go anywhere. here's my
2: thing about Braxton Beverly. The question with him is always going to be, does what he can do, not what he does, what he can do, because he doesn't always do it, Yeah. what he can do on the offense, does that outweigh what happens defensively?
1: Definitely not.
2: And that's what you have to consider. I mean, yeah, he can shoot the ball, but when the ball goes down the other end of the court, is he still a productive member of the team? Very much less so. So that's mm-hmm. always kind of the balance you need.
0: Which is interesting because <laughs> in that Detroit Mercy game, both Beverly and Hill Johnson led the team with 35 minutes. So Beverly played a lot. And, you know, even still he shot the ball well, but, you know, that might contribute to the fact that we, you know, NC State gave up quite a few points. It, so, it
2: was also Detroit Mercy. Yeah. I don't – apart from his buzzer beater against Clemson. Now, I'll be honest, from all the sports – I watch basketball more than I watch football, but I still don't watch basketball as much as I watch some other sports. I can't remember any big game where Braxton Beverly kind of did what I would call pretty good. Apart from, you know, he had a buzzer beater against Clemson. That's the only big moment in a big game I can remember from him. Last and year at
0: least. CJ Bryce continued to do well. He scored 19 points, 8 of 11 shooting from the floor, 1 of 3 from three-pointer, and had five rebounds. That was tied for second on the team. Um, I think it was a really good you know, note here with L. Johnson about getting seven rebounds and 10 assists. Didn't shoot the ball. Well, you know, whatever. It's his first game back. Not really putting a whole yeah, lot of stock into that. that. That'll sort itself. Out. Yeah. We, we know what we're going to get from Markel. Yeah. So, but the, the rebounds, he's in good positions, the assists, he's getting the team involved. Um, you know, if honestly, if he was making a couple shots there at the end of the game, you know, that was triple, double territory coming in because he was really close in rebounds and the points you can rack up pretty quickly. Um, and then when you look down down the list a little bit, Pat Andre played 19 minutes. He was three for seven from the floor, only one for four from the three-point line. He scored <laughs> he scored nine points. And um, Manny Bates, again, huge in the paint at seven blocks. And I think that's going to be really important going forward in, yeah. into the next couple of games. That I love is,
1: Manny Bates. That is, a, that is a huge factor for this team going forward. Uh, seven blocks in a game is, is really ridiculous. It's hard to do. Uh, he had four in the exhibition yeah, against think, think uh, right, yeah. Mount Olive, and um, they weren't all recorded. And then he had five in the first game <laughs> against Georgia Tech against the conference opponent. Um, put that all together, and you've got off the top of my head what is that? Uh, Sixteen yes. blocks through three games. That's really impressive. That's that something is. we did not have last season. No, I, not I, in the slightest. I
2: think once you get Thunderberg back too, if yes. you have the opportunity to yes. play both of them together,
1: both of them together is gonna that's going to be really,
2: really good because really they're both they both have the size, but they play they use their size differently. Yeah, and I think if you get Funderburk back, I think that completes the team because then 100%. you're going to have Markel and CJ with Thunderberg and. Manny, and then you're going to have Devin whoever Daniels. slots into that three. Usually, yeah, probably Devin Daniels. Depending on the game, maybe Braxton Beverly gets a lot of minutes in that spot. Maybe Pat Andre does. But yeah. You'd be more likely to kind of sub play in for play one play of the the definitely. But it allows a lot more versatility in other positions when you're going to have both of them.
0: Yeah, I agree. I really like that team when DJ comes back, assuming so, yeah. he does mm-hmm. come back. And hopefully yeah. that is sooner rather than later. I,
2: I think maybe one or two more games. I can't I'm imagine sure. it'll be that much longer
1: definitely not and, and dj can also play next to, to pat um yeah I'm, I'm excited to see that as well um because while dj is really good on offense he he was pretty good on defense he's a good defensive player he's a good he's like a he's swiss he's army a knife player, he's yeah. a swiss army knife for the team
0: so next up for nc state is fiu that will be on wednesday the 13th um tomorrow as you know, as we're recording it and today, as you guys are listening, it'll come out. This podcast will come out on Wednesday. Um, FIU is a one in one, lost to Mississippi State 69 to uh, 77, and then beat Ave Maria 101 <laughs> to 59. I assume I'm pronouncing that right. They, I don't even know who that is, so I'm not going to put a whole lot of stock into that one. But. Also,
2: State and FIU haven't played since 1991. <coughs> Fun fact there that was 80 69 in State's favor. They've only ever played twice. So yeah. the state in 1990 put up 120 against them. So let, maybe we can see that again. That'd be nice.
0: So moving on to women's basketball, NC State just beat UNCW. That was 80 to 40. Um, it also marked Westmore's 700th career division one mm-hmm. win. Uh, I think about 150 or 142 are with NC State. So huge milestone for him but it was it was also a really good night for for nc state the three-point shooting was there i think it was 12 for 29 from three-pointer um and you know overall that's pretty good uh lisa kunain had 18 points leading the team jakea brown turner at 11 and kayla jones had 11 as well
2: the biggest surprise in that game you said the three-point shooting was there for the team but it wasn't there for their main three-point shooter. I mean, Koenig went one for seven from yeah. beyond the arc in that game, which And, and she's really struggled surprising. a little bit here at the beginning of the
0: season. I expect her to pick that up, and I'm not yeah, worried yeah, about that, that at all. Not, yeah. But that will only improve uh, what is already a deep and really oh, yeah. good team. The fact
1: that all players on the team can knock it down from deep is, is really And that's impressive. something Wes Moore is really mm.
0: wanted to install into this team because yeah. you mm. see Kunane even getting into it, hitting both of her three-point yeah. shots, which is really great. and Something you know, she worked on all summer. Right, and Wes Moore continued to say that he wants all five people on the floor to be able to shoot the three. Mm-hmm. He wants that danger for the other team. <coughs> he wants to be able to anyone to pop out to the line and hit one. So really big game there. I mean, State. that
2: just opens up everything because, like, as good as Canaan is, like people people would want to double team her. Yeah. But you double team her, you're leaving a three-point shooter open. doesn't matter who it is, you're leaving a three-point shooter open. Mm-hmm. And then if you decide, okay, we're not going to double her, but we're going to leave somebody in the paint to help out with, she drifts outside, she can still hit it.
1: The team is doing some really, really interesting things um, with the way it handles its operations that it hasn't done before. Um, one thing that really stood out to me at the beginning of the game was uh, Ja'Kia Brown-Turner. Uh, she scored eight of their first ten points, and she finished with 11 points only. But the fact that she's getting involved early and often, and she was she was shooting everything, uh, picking up all the slack, um, and then the, the state never looked back from there. Um, the fact that Moore is willing and able to run his offense through somebody that is not Kunane uh, to begin the game and to get the offense flowing is a really good sign. And also at the end of the first half, um, they were full court pressing, uh, which is something that NC State uh, women's basketball does not ever do. Um, the men's team does it, um, but the women's team did it, and they did it really effectively. And um, that
0: added depth is a big reason for that too. If you're able yeah. to have all that depth mm-hmm. on in your lineup and rotating people mm-hmm. in and out,
1: there's a lot more running you can do there. And nope. – and, um, Wilmington's best player or one of their best players Gigi Smith um, she scored 17 points in the game but she had 11 turnovers um, and th- that was partially a result of that full court press um, you saw a lot of NC State steals there um, and even though Koenig wasn't helping on the offensive end she had three steals yeah Um I, I think it's just really impressive what Moore has done with this team and what he has been able to shape with this team. He's doing new things, and it's working because every single player he, he can play, he can throw out there, is capable of pulling their own weight, even the end of the roster players.
2: Right. Speaking of Westmore, Moore, I know you talked about it being his 7th under career Can we just give a little more appreciation to Wes Moore? He's one of those coaches that I don't think even people on other teams, other parents, you can't hate Wes Moore. He's just a guy that like radiates this good energy that you love mm. to be around, and he. There's a few coaches like that at state where they're just like, no matter what, it seems that like they're always in a good mood.
0: Yeah, and they're West, just
2: great people. Like, they're just fun to talk to too.
0: Yeah, Westmore has been great, especially to us mm. in the media. You know, yep. talking to us all the yeah. time and helping out with whatever we need. And, what
2: was a regular on pigskin picks before this year? Uh,
0: yeah, a really good one too.
2: Yeah.
1: I think he won like two years in a row a couple yeah. of years ago. But he decided
2: not, to to step down yeah, spread the love a little bit <laughs>
1: his, his character really stands out to me um yeah. they played a uh, tribute video of uh, some former players like dg dd D. rogers was so really it was cool. one of them it yeah. was really cool and one of the first things he said to the media was he, he just like could not think enough his players uh, yeah. everyone he's coached over the years uh, and it,
0: it should be an exciting year again yeah, yeah. yeah. He's this, team, like this team years. is deep and it is fantastic so Next up for NC State will be Lamar. That is a Thursday night game in Reynolds Coliseum. Lamar is 1-1 one and one with a 20-point loss to Oklahoma State and looks like beat Howard Payne by 60. So, um, you know, loss and a win there. So a decent team in Lamar. You can read more about Lamar, the Lamar matchup at technicianonline.com. But with that, I think we're going to move on. From basketball, Tristan, I want to thank you for stepping on with us today and uh, bringing some some hoops knowledge to the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's and, a pleasure. Uh, and we're gonna move on from basketball over to soccer, and that's why we have Nicholas Schnicker here on the podcast, assistant sports editor, a regular here, of course, and um, and he's gonna talk some women's and men's soccer. Obviously, both had ACC, you know, championship stuff going on. So, uh, start with women's soccer and uh, and talk about how they did in the ACCs.
2: Yeah, so they had a good ACC season. They had a lot of games that were draws that really could have been wins. They drew Virginia, who at the time was number one in the country, had a really, and then drew Virginia Tech the game after, had close games with UNC through the regular season. They got to ACC tournament play. Right before ACC tournament play, they went out to Louisville. They had to win that game to secure a spot. Even if they lost that game, there was a good chance they were getting in, but that was like the "you're you're in if you win type of game. They won that game through a... It was 1-0. Anna Tui got the goal. Only goal of the game. Her first goal of the year. And then they ended up staying Louisville all weekend to play them in the first round of the ACC tournament. And they won in overtime. Then they come back here to Raleigh and they play UNC in the semifinal.
0: At Wake Med. At Wake Med here in Raleigh. UNC is really good. I I I actually was able to go to that game while you were in the press box, although I was in the cold uh, for, for most of the game there. But... UNC looked dominant.
2: So here's the thing about UNC. If you've watched any of UNC games, what always happens is around the 20th minute, they make about six substitutions. I Normally, that. if you see a team make six substitutions, you're like, all right, here come the scrubs. Nope. Not all of this those time. players would start on most college teams. There are people that one of the girls went to my high school for a little bit. I know because her older sister was my editor-in-chief in high school at our paper, actually. And I know she's really good at soccer because her older sister would talk about her. Like uh, Maggie Pierce is her name. She's really good, and all those players on the bench—they're really good players. UNC doesn't has a super deep team. That's the reason I—I'm ninety I'm percent sure I haven't pulled up here. They are one of the one seeds in the tournament. I'm like, they are, yeah, yeah. There are three ACC teams that are one. I seeds. noticed
0: that. That's insane.
2: Or no, no. no uh, it is three. Yes, it's three. Yep. North Carolina, Florida State, and Virginia all got one
0: seeds. Only other one was Stanford, I think. Yep. Right. NC State played
2: this year four games against one and two seeds in the tournament. They lost to South Carolina in the season opener, their two seed, lost to UNC twice, and drew Virginia. And in Virginia, they almost could have stolen one. The draw at UNC, they got outplayed, but King was probably half a step from stealing a draw late in that game. So there's been a lot of games where they've been really close. So their first-round matchup, I went to their selection show, Uh, out at the athletics facility yesterday. And they got selected really early. I think the team was kind of surprised at how early they got announced. They were like in the second bracket of eight. Mm. And so everyone was like, kind of caught by surprise when the actual was like NC State. It's like, whoa. But yeah, they're going to be playing Navy in the first round. Now Navy, if you just look at the numbers, has had a good year. They're 16, two, and three. They won the Patriot League. But if you look at it, their schedule wasn't hard. They were ranked 90th in RPI, state is 21st.
0: And that's with a lot of draws and losses. Are there any other teams that are at state's level that they played this year or not really?
2: Um yeah, I mean, probably some of the lower ACC teams. Yeah. Would probably be closer to that or some of the slightly more difficult non-conference games, but state had a hard non-conference schedule too. You look at they went to Georgetown, they went to uh south carolina they went to iowa who made the tournament as well and i which, think
0: which usually suits well for going into you know postseason play having a yeah. hard schedule playing these hard so teams I,
2: I talked to tim santoro after the selection show one of the questions i asked him was you know about facing four, one or four one and two seeds throughout this year or four games against one and two seeds this year and just like the general toughness of the ac and that and he goes oh yeah i love it he goes we will not see anything this tournament we haven't seen before because that's true. I mean, that's fair. They avoided Florida State this year in yeah. conference play. It was one of the one seeds, but they still they played UNC twice. They played Duke. They played Virginia. Virginia Tech's pretty good. I believe Virginia Tech made the tournament as well. Yeah, Virginia Tech made the tournament. Notre Dame made the tournament. I mean, just schools from the ACC are littered throughout this tournament, and I think that is only Clemson, Duke also in here. Yeah, just just about. There are teams that didn't make the ACC tournament or got
0: knocked out early in the ACC tournament that made this bracket. The ACC is so good at women's soccer. So, do you think, how do you think uh, NC State will fare against Navy on Friday?
2: It's a weird thing because of how states' games have gone this year. They tend to have low scoring games. It's very rare they will have a blowout game. I mean, the only ones I can really think of are Furman, where King grabbed a hat trick, and ECU, the game after that, where King had like, three or four assists and a goal or two goals and three assists something of sorry. That was part of her like crazy month of scoring.
0: Yeah, a great run there for her.
2: And because they have low scoring games, anything can happen, but I'm confident in that team. They're gonna win. They're good they've got a good depth to it. They've got good young players mixed in with good experienced players. I'm wondering how it's gonna be next year, because they're gonna have to replace a lot of big parts of that team. But that's something to talk about after the tournament.
0: All right, let's uh, scoot over to men's soccer. The men were knocked out of the ACC tournament in overtime. That was at Pitt. And, um, you know, now they're just awaiting the selection show, which isn't until the 18th, so much later than the women's selection show. But what did you see from the men in the ACC tournament?
2: Yeah, I mean, so they played Duke in the first round of the tournament, and they won 2-1. That was a pretty good game. I'm trying to remember who got the winner in that. I uh, Kudamusque, if I'm not, no. I was right. Yeah, it was Kudamusque. Got the winner, kind of winner. It was really early. They went up 2 0 relatively quickly, you know, within 25 minutes. Right, yeah. And they just kind of rode that lead through the end. It was close. You know, Duke had their chances. Vinny Durant came up big on a couple different occasions. I have been so impressed with him this year. He's played really well. It's your, he you hadn't played again official game. Both before he transferred to NC State and once he was here, and he redshirted one year too. So he's been at college for a long time without playing. And he comes in for Leon, who had a great year last year. Leon Kropp was fantastic last year. Gets injured in the first game of the season, out for the year. He's going to redshirt. And he comes in, he plays amazing. He's so good. I don't, when Leon went down, I thought it was going to be a big, big problem for this team. Turns out it wasn't just about at all. Vinny's come up when he's needed to, and he's been good. He's been a real leader on this team. And I think he's a big factor in what they've been able to do.
0: And we didn't really know a whole lot about him. And that's, no. that's part of the reason why I think a lot of us were kind of like, I don't know how this team is going to be with Leon gone, but, you know, because we haven't, didn't know yeah. anything about Vinny. Oh, yeah. And he came in and completely blew everything out oh, of the yeah. water. Played he's fantastic. played really good. So, after,
2: so they hosted that game against Duke. That was uh, here at NC State. And then they went on the road to play the four seed Pitt, and you know Duke it did not have a good year. That was the two one was, it probably should have been more just based on the quality of the two teams. But Duke's has good players, just didn't have a great year. They went up to Pitt. Pitt's a good team, yeah. frankly. They're they're very good. If you look at their schedules, they had State had a slightly harder schedule. Whereas they had to play ACC champions, Clemson, regular season champions, Clemson, and Pitt avoided them. Pitt finished just three points above state in the standings. So if they would have had to play Clemson, you'd imagine probably would have been on the same amount of points to end the year. But that Pitt team's good. And on the road, it's always going to be hard. They're, I want to say he's Ugandan. I think I saw that when I was writing on my preview for that. Forward, uh, Edward Kiza. I hope that's how it's pronounced. Um, I
0: think I said Kizza in the recap, but either way.
2: Yeah, it's one way or the other. I don't know, but he grabbed two goals. Yeah, he did. And Great he's game. good. He's their leading scorer this year. It went to overtime. The guy who got State's goal in that game, though, I think he's been underrated this year. It's George Asimani. He's a yeah, transfer I've, this year. I haven't heard
0: a whole lot about him when I remember reading that recap.
2: So the thing about Asimani is he's playing as um, in a block of two at the base of midfield, so... in Kiefer's 3-4-2-1 system. You've got the three center backs. Then you've got two holding mids and two outside mids. And the two holding mids are Jose Morales and George Asimani. So not a flashy position. It's just the same way Brad Sweeney was last year. and Unfortunately, he's been battling injury throughout the year, so I haven't seen him much. But um, it's an unflashy position that doesn't get a lot of love, especially if you're not somebody that really knows soccer. But if you're somebody that knows soccer and you see the little things those guys do... You're like, oh, he's he's part of the heart of that team. It was his first goal of the year, so I'm glad to see him get on the score sheet. But I've been impressed with him this year. He's good. He goes both ways. And he's really good in the tackle. He You can tell he's good at just getting his foot stuck in.
0: So it seems like the men will be a lock to make the tournament. Yeah. But you think they have a good argument to host uh, the first round?
2: I think uh, they hosted last year against, I want to say Campbell. If my memory serves me. I know I covered the game. I'm pretty sure it was Campbell. Um, and I think they had a little bit better of a, I'd have to like actually sit down and compare them and they had a little bit better of a resume last year, just in terms of like good wins. Cause they had that win over number one, UNC last year, obviously. And, but this year the ACC and the same with the way it is in women's soccer, the ACC is just so good. I mean, Clemson, highest scoring team in the country. You've got UNCU's had an up and down year Them and great this year on the men's side. Duke the same way, but Wake Forest, always good. Virginia was, no- there was a point in this season where Virginia's men's and women's teams were both ranked number one in the country. The ACC for men's and women's soccer is the best conference for both of them, frankly. So I think, you know, they finish in the semifinal of the ACC tournament. I'd argue that's good enough to host, frankly, but they're kind of right on that edge of, I wouldn't be surprised either way but I would lean towards them hosting.
0: So I want to thank you very much for bringing the soccer knowledge to the podcast, as you always do. Uh, real quick. I want to highlight some volleyball things that are going on. Um, kind of had a, a stretch there for at the beginning of November um, where volleyball is playing really well.
2: They've had a really up and down year. You yes, know, it, it's always like, it's, it's very streaky. Been. It's been yeah. a couple wins in a row, a couple losses in a row, back and forth. Cause
0: they, you know, they had three losses in a row to end October um, beat Clemson three to two November first. Lost a three to two game against Georgia Tech on the third, and then beat Wake Forest three to two. So three in a row. Actually, it was four in a row three to twos, because now um, on Sunday they lost to Duke three to two. So that's four matches in a row that have gone to five sets. Um, so a lot of long games, a lot of really close games. Um, And that's kind of been the theme for a lot of ACC games that they played this year. So there's a lot of them that they're really close to winning and haven't been able to pull it out. Um, I think in uh, two of the recent losses, they were up two sets to none. I think that was true in the Duke game, up two sets to none and end up losing the final three. So,
2: Yep, that is exactly what happened. So
0: kind of a tough stretch there. Um, volleyball will travel to Miami on Friday um, and then to Georgia Tech on Sunday, the 17th. So two away games in a row before returning home to play Pittsburgh and then away again at Boston College to close the season. Yeah, they're
2: getting close to the end of their season, too. It's all these fall sports are kind of starting to hit their ending.
0: It was surprising to me. Volleyball is quite a long one. I didn't actually realize that.
2: yeah, and it goes just about all the way to, November, or to December. I mean, yeah. yeah, I was surprised by that, too. So they
0: currently sit at 10-16, and 5-9 in the conference. So, like I said, a lot of close games that really could have gone either way. So we'll see how they fare in the next couple of weeks. With that, we're going to move on to our next guest, and he's going to talk about some hockey. And we have... Ryan Henkel joining us today, sports writer for Technician and Kane's beat writer for us. Ryan, thanks for coming in. Hey, let's do that hockey. Let's do that hockey. To,
2: to all the people expecting a schnicker to talk hockey after my brother, I'm I'm sorry at this point. Happen. No, Ryan is the <laughs> heir to up? Andrew's hockey throne. i have
3: usurped him. He has. So
2: it was a it was it was a peaceful usurping. It was
3: a it was was very you know mutual handoff. It It was was, was, yes, yeah, was a handoff. I was not I was
2: not covering Canes A passing
3: of the credential. I say I mean Andrew have a very nice relationship, (laughs) nice working relationship.
2: And Andrew's a good guy. Yeah, Yeah,
0: he's all right. (laughs) Um, So currently the Canes sit fifth in the Metropolitan, ten seven and one I believe. Um, Ryan, you've been at all the home games and really Mm -hmm. keeping track and you know really active on Twitter. Really appreciate that. Um, what have you really seen from the Canes so far this season? Since this is the first time we've been uh, we've been talking about the Canes on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they are fifth in the Metro. They're only one point, you know, out of third
3: place in the Metropolitan Division. You know, Philly's sitting there currently at twenty-two. They've had a good streak so far. Carter Hart, you know, their starting goaltender, second year in the NHL. Really, he's kind of coming to himself. He's having a really good game, and this is kind of I argued that this could be potentially one of the most difficult seasons to make the playoffs in the entire eastern conference you know i kind of expected the hurricanes you know to have a better start than they have been having but i think there's a lot of teams that are competitive for this spot and i think it'll when it gets down to it it's going to be even dicier than it was last year for them but honestly i think the biggest thing hurting the team right now is just their overall streakiness
2: yeah i was gonna say like hearing that they're sitting fifth as someone that like very loosely follows the canes having like i read your articles and i follow you on twitter obviously but like I don't pay too much attention to the Canes. I thought they were having a really good season. And then, you know, they're fifth in the Metropolitan. So I'm like, where's that come from?
3: Well, it's you know, they won five in a row, but then they they lose one to Columbus, they come back, they beat, you know, they go on the California road trip, they beat, you know, LA, you know, State Fair Road trip. And then but then they dropped the game to San Jose. It looked terrible. They lost to Anaheim again, they looked awful. The only like highlight is Hayden Fleury scored his first career goal in that game game you know something i've been harping on a long time i've been wanting to see hayden score because i just love that kid but then you know they lose then they come home and lose to columbus again and then it's just they win three again but then they lose four in a row to bottom barrel teams in the eastern conference they lose to the rangers they lose to the devils they lose to
2: okay but that devil's game wasn't that the one where they put up like Nine hundred shots, or was that a different? That was, oh, that was the Rangers game. That was the Rangers game. Okay,
3: twenty-two shots in the first I, period. I remember
2: having followed that on Twitter and just be like, "Okay, uh what? What, what is going on?"
3: That's another thing of Henrik Lundqvist, the Rangers goaltender, having just having the Cades numbers. I think oh, I'm trying to remember exactly what it was. I think he is twenty-three, two and zero in his last. Well, I guess twenty-four, two and zero in his last twenty-six starts against the Hurricanes. That, now that's just absurd. He. Just absolutely just has the Hurricanes numbers. It's just a bizarre stat. And the Canes played exceptionally well, but Lunk was just played better. And it was just a matter
2: of the goalie that, stealing a game. That that just that happens in all sports sometimes. That happens in soccer. That happens in
0: just about any sport. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. And Brendan Moore talked about that in the last game against Ottawa. And I wanna talk about that too because the lead to your article I thought was really good. My,
2: my favorite lead from sports this year. Yeah,
0: and you've had a couple of them for, you know, when I've been reading them, especially the deep-fried <laughs> oh, verb that, around. That was for the, the Chicago state fair, games yeah. state fair, fair yeah. That was great. This great. one says, the Carolina Hurricanes impeached all 20 of the Ottawa Senators they faced by a final vote, in quotation quotation marks, of 8-2 to two while also snapping a four-game losing skid. Great lead there. You've had a couple of them. I just wanted to point that out. If you guys don't read... Uh, Ryan's hockey stuff on technicianonline.com. And you are a Canes fan or a hockey fan at all, definitely check that out. So, uh, we try to have fun with them.
2: Uh, yeah. So, through your present, your, what is we're reaching close to the quarter point, third point this? We're nearly at the quarter point. They've played, okay. I think, 19 games now. Who, who's impressed you the most on the Canes at, the, at this quarter point in the year? I mean, honestly, you have you have to go with Dougie Hamilton. Okay. Like,
3: also, Andre Svechnikov, like either of them, mm-hmm. it's like. You've kind of expected this explosion from Dougie. He had a slow start to the year last year in his first team, first time with defenseman of the team. He's really got to adapt this new style, new new area, and like he had a slow start, but he really exploded near the end of the season into the playoffs. He was just an absolute dynamite, and now he's just been lighting up the league. He's leading. He has the most uh, goals by. He's leading the defense, leading defenseman for goals in the NHL currently. He has 19 points on the season. He's just an absolute goal scoring machine currently. Dougie Hamilton has been on the ice. He's like when he's on the ice, the Hurricanes are just putting up so much more shots. He's averaging like I think plus two shots while he's on the ice. It's there's some oh. like advanced stat. I don't remember exactly what it was, but there's some say he's like absolutely just far out on the right for
2: now. In, asking about players that go far out, I know some of my friends that follow the Canes a bit more. They always complained about Mrazic going quite far out of his net. What what's your take on his? you know, kind of flying style, if you want to call it that.
3: It's He's got a lot of Hoshik in him, a lot of Dominic Hoshik back in the day. He likes to be aggressive on the puck. And there have been times where he gets too far out of position, yeah, yeah. and, you know, he's just, just you know, screwed. But he it comes into play a lot. There's a lot of times he comes way out of the crease, makes a big save, and the Canes jump on that, get a breakaway chance or a 2-on-1 rush, yeah. and they'll score right off it. They feed off that energy that Morazic has. So, so
2: you think it's... The positives outweigh the negatives. I think that the positives outweigh the negatives. Okay. It really
3: hasn't come to affect him that much because I think the team expects that now. They're yeah. more used to it now. So you have you know elite defensemen like Jacob Slavin who's able to you know cover up other backdoor passes are yep. like. Be in position to be bat passes away. Dougie Hamilton's been doing it a lot more recently too, blocking shots when Morazic comes too far out. Mm-hmm. I think the team is playing around him more, and they know his style. And I think they they have a nice functioning symbiosis. Oh,
2: that's good. I mean, that was just I remember people I going, "Morazic's um, doing it again." I just I just wanted to ask about that. I think Mrazic does fine. He's not. I wouldn't call him an elite
3: goaltender, but he's a good goaltender and he's he plays well for the Hurricanes. He they feeds off that energy. He's a crowd, fun especially.
2: goaltender to watch. He's a that very too. fun
3: goaltender to watch. He. He likes to bang his stick on the ice when the hurricanes have too much snow time in the other end. He gets like it feels like he's almost impatient. He just likes to get ready for a challenge. He's just always going. He's just such I a have fun guy. Two
2: points that you've made me think of because of that. One is it reminds me a lot of like post 2014 World Cup Manuel Neuer. Like those like three years where he was at the top of his game and you'd see all the clips of him coming like I was like midfield, like doing a diving header and stuff. Mm. Like that's what that reminds me of. And then the stick banging thing. Reminds me, there's a guy that's always at the soccer games... And whenever the other team has the ball for a while, Cam, you'll probably know what I'm talking about. This is one guy. He's the most passionate fan. Oh, that guy! Besides he the, he starts red tears. singing, right? Uh, I yeah, know, he's I like, know
3: exactly. We, exactly. we
2: want the ball. It's great. Gotta we have love that ball. ball. <laughs> <laughs> well, we I love know. It. I love that guy. I've seen, I love that guy.
3: <laughs> I've seen him. I've seen him at tennis. I've seen him at volleyball. He has I've, chance for. Been, he has chance for every yeah, tennis he's player. Been at wrestling. has chance for every I've seen him
0: at wrestling player. before.
2: No, we need to figure out who this guy is. And like, we should. We should. We should.
0: I don't know what he's the. He's the we want the ball guy. Yeah, that's that's all. That's, that's Like me and thing. Ryan will
2: be cover, Ryan's covered a lot of soccer With me this year He's trying to He's trying to learn a bit About the footy
0: Trying to diversify
3: My portfolio there <laughs> That's right
2: <laughs> And we all Anytime the air team Starts passing the ball We're waiting for the guy To start singing And it's It's a good time I mean If you haven't been To a soccer game At Dale This year Make it a priority To go to the women's game Against Navy on Friday It's great a fun atmosphere, atmosphere. The atmosphere yeah. is great Primarily It's the Red Terrors I, really I, Red I Red cannot speak highly enough About that group I remember the UNC women's soccer SID came back up into the press. he got honored at the ACC semifinal. He came up into the press box and he goes, "Man, everyone was cheering and thanking me. I just got yelled at by the red terrors." <laughs> he said they were just yelling. He couldn't tell what they were yelling, but they were just yelling. And That's like, what you do. You yeah, just they're, yell. They're so those guys, those that group is that group is just fantastic. They are That's exactly what you want from a group of soccer fans. For people that know soccer, like with ultras culture and stuff, like over in Europe, that's what you want from a supporters group. You want that passion and they bring, I mean, they've got drums, smoke bomb, they've got like a storm, a hurricane style storm siren now. I don't know where they got that, but like, I love it. Like I'm all for it. Uh
3: I think Carolina, like, fans in general, like, fans all over Carolina just love sports of all kind. Absolutely. They just are
0: so diverse, and they just love it, and they just eat it up. I mean, honestly, I think starting with college basketball, that's where kind of where it roots from, and it kind of leaks into all sports. Um, So now moving from, you know, some professional hockey to more collegiate level— um, I want you to talk a little bit about the women's hockey piece that you just did, and that will definitely be linked in the description of the podcast. But, um, you know, you, went, you had a couple of interviews and talked a lot about um, a new club starting at NC State and talked about hockey here in the area. So, you want to talk a little bit about that?
3: Uh, so yeah, I talked with um the new women's club hockey president Emily Peterson, and I talked to two times. She's got a long title. I like to give her all the respect she deserves. but He had, a, he
2: had a Game of Thrones-esque title in this two article. 2 times
3: champion with the NWHL and the CWHL. And, you know, she performed in the All-Star Game in both teams. Uh, Alyssa Gilardi, she's Raleigh native, you know, just all around, just an amazing hockey player. She played for the Boston Pride. Now she's leading the Professional Women's Hockey Association in kind of like they're doing a they – stand standing out trying to, you know, better conditions around the league but i she gladly gave me her time allowed me to talk about kind of the effect that women's collegiate hockey had on her and the impact she can see it having here at a club starting at nc state and so it's really just like a beautiful scene to see like women's hockey has been growing a lot all over the country i the um nwhl partnered actually with twitch and so they stream all their games live on twitch.tv. That's pretty cool. And so I think for the month of October, they actually nearly had a million total views for their games. They only play like two games each Saturday and average average almost a million views watching that. It's pretty impressive.
2: No, that's, that, that's pretty good.
3: And so an area that the game has been really breaking into, like North Carolina, is hockey's been growing here rapidly. You know, the Hurricanes had a drought without the playoffs, but you know, hockey's still been here. We won the Cup in 06. People have still been enjoying it, but with them making the playoffs again it's just the buzz has really kind of came back and it's kind of been generating more and more hype. And they
2: they really they really poked the coals down kind of.
3: They really it yeah. back up and yeah. they got the fire going again and it's and it's just really cool to see that NC State kind of leading the charge. Uh they tried to start a club a few years back. It just kind of fell through, but I think there's really been a lot of uh support this year and there's been a lot of like support all around the area and people have really been wanting this team to like break through and just kind of start the the trend and a big thing that emily peterson said when she t- when we talked was that she was hoping that it would inspire more co- colleges around like unc duke all of you know our tar Tarboro road fouls to you know start a team and you know actually have like close competition
2: uh yeah i mean i know some of the things i read in your article i was surprised by i know you i think you said liberty has a pretty good woman talking program has right?
3: a pretty good hockey but program.
2: how many hockey teams are actually in North Carolina. I mean I was I knew about the Canes. I knew about the Checkers and NC States like Ice Pack. But you named some teams I like I went in fa- I was the one that went and fact checked that article and I was like, okay, I've never heard of this like Google, Google, Google and I'm like I never realize how much hockey there was in North Carolina.
3: And even then, like I talked about like the Thunderbirds and the Marksmen. Yep. And, like those are like but those are, like interstate leagues, there's so much more like house leagues here, like the yeah. like the Carolina Trailblazers or yep. women's club club um league here at uh, North Carolina, and they've been doing great things around just you know for supporting having an area for women to play, and there's just so many more house leagues like there's like the junior teams, there's like at least like two junior teams like women and like a lot of others. For yeah, another yeah. like, Canes for have a lot of junior levels. teams. a lot of stuff. junior teams like like the junior Hurricanes are, like have like an they've like throughout the years they've like won so many like national like titles like and it's just like really cool to see like. Hockey, like, spreading around, like, North I, Carolina people playing, like, really
2: well. I think that's the ultimate key to it. And I think with any sport, the key to it is support from the top level. I mean, when you look at, like, soccer around the world and soccer, it's starting to turn this way into the U.S. The the pro teams have their academies. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the way the junior cans are. When you have that support from the pros, and like, you get to see the pros and experience, mm-hmm. like, get to that's see them thing. and show, like, what it's about more than just the game itself. I think that's a big part in helping these sports succeed and helping kind of bring up the next generation is the involvement of the pro team and the pro players. I think it's great, like the Canes and all of them, are to have those junior teams for that.
3: Being able to see your role models like up close and have them actually be able to, like- either interact with you it brings them closer it'd be like this is achievable these are real people like i could do this honestly i think and you know soccer's obviously at success you know playing on every single populated continent
1: yeah
2: i think i think the the part of it is is like especially when you're younger i mean at this point now having covered as many games i have and talked with as many people as i have for articles and whatnot you start now to realize you know athletes are just people like you and me but when you're 10 12 years old you look at somebody on your local pro team and you're like, they're a god. Yeah. Like yeah. You, you have this like respect it and this level of I guess deference might be the right word to use, but like towards them that it's almost like they're on a different plane of existence than you. But then once you get to kind of interact with them, you realize, ah, I mean, they're they're just like me. Like there's your every everyday Joe that just happens to be really good at playing hockey. <laughs>
3: Yeah, it's like it's like being able to see them like a personality. Like obviously they have like this other world talent. Yeah. But like they're not just that talent. You know, they're mm-hmm. like real people. They have like they're like fun to talk to. They're nice people. Like, uh, and just being able to see like them, like they have this skill and this talent that but they've they've worked hard and they've achieved yeah. it. But like they're not this like person who's just dedicated their entire yeah. life to it. They're like think just when, real people.
2: As you grow older you start to realize that when you're younger and when like you haven't really experienced it, it's, experience,
3: it's so like just it just seems kind of you like you just an look abstract at them idea. in awe. Yeah. Well, it's also the difference, you know. Sometimes young people, you know, they think they can achieve anything. Yeah. Which is like, that's you know, true. Yeah. I, you know, I'm jealous of that kind of sense, you know. Yeah. The dreaded reality of, you know, existence that we see today, <laughs> kind of harbors down. On Ryan, Earth.
2: before it gets real dark in here, with A the way existential you're going, hour. Yeah. Before we get down to some of your philosophy courses, uh, <laughs> let's switch over to the ice pack, the men's team.
0: Yeah. It seems like this year, you know, after the you know long streak last year going undefeated to the postseason it seemed like they really wanted to schedule some tougher opponents this year yeah. and it looks like they got that because they have three losses this year and they all came within a five-game stretch there um let's see they were to msu denver MSU Denver, stevenson in the Liberty Showcase. st mm-hmm. joseph so those three losses since then have won six in a row so especially in the the cup they just went over the weekend in charlotte you want to talk about that tournament in particular
3: yeah so the over the weekend the nc state ice pack just played in the stephen russell memorial tournament which is to honor stephen russell who used to play goaltender for the nc state ice pack back in i think 2006 to 2009 he sadly passed away in the summer before 2009 mm-hmm. but he was just loved the game had a, such a passion for it and they the Tournament used to be called the Canes Cup and it was just between four teams and state being one of them but They decided to like do something more with the tournament honor Stephen Russell So like it's just kind of like a celebration of the game almost and it marks like the start of ACC HL play It's now expanded to include all 16 teams in the in the league And it's just kind of like a really like special moment To be able to play and like kind of honor him as like parents will come down and it's just a really special moment But it's actually got like a really weird scoring format. Like it's not just a traditional like Seated tournament that you would uh, think
2: I so I was the one working the night that Ryan ran his preview for that and I sat down to read and like edit his article and I it genuinely gave me a headache trying to understand the scoring for that tournament genuinely gave me a headache until Ryan like I texted Ryan I'm like I'm gonna be honest man I need you to explain this to me like once he <laughs> did it made sense but I was lost so what, so what was the format so the
3: format is so I, ta- I actually had to email Mike Wally, who is the yeah. league coordinator for the ACCHL. I read it before.
2: He emailed Mike Wally, and that email cleared it up a lot for me.
3: But but um so each in the tournament, each team will play three games. And if you win a game, four points. If you are leading at the end of a period, you have two points. If a game is tied, you end up with two points. If a period is tied, you end up with one point. And then there's a separate skills competition where if you win, you get... Three points in that category for the whatever the, the category of the competition was two for second place one for third place and then there's a skills relay which will add an additional point on top of your
0: skills point that you earned well that's yeah. pretty unique at least that's kind of yeah. cool
2: <laughs> like i like once it was explained to me i was like oh that's cool before it was explained to me i was like okay now what
0: so do you think you know obviously going into acchl play do you think NC State should fare as well as it did last year?
3: I think that it would probably be the same kind of like dominance NC State. Not necessarily say that we are going to run away of every game like last year, because um, the Carolina team this year, UNC is actually they're playing really fast. They're playing actually really good hockey. They currently sit only you know two one point behind NC State for you know the Carolina East Division. NC State's five zero and 0 UNC's one 0 one. They the, have an OT loss.
2: That game against them's coming up pretty soon, right? Yeah,
3: it's coming up on uh, I believe the
2: twenty second, twenty fifth. Yeah, yeah. If um, if for people that like don't know about like the ice pack or anything, go to their game against UNC. It's at PNC it's at Arena. Just all I can say is just go. I don't. I uh, I went last year and it was it was just fun. Like. There's, like, going to sports games is always fun for me, like, no matter what it is. I just, I like sports games, like, going to the atmosphere, you know, it's just fun. But there's something a little bit different about the atmosphere for these, because it's it's less, I don't want to say it's less serious, but because it's club and not varsity, like university varsity hockey, Mm -hmm. there's just a different atmosphere to it.
3: I think, yeah, it's like... Varsity hockey, like D one, like up north, they get kind of rambunctious, kind of the same way. But like the club hockey fans here, really passionate. Like, oh yeah, there's so many of them. They're like filling up like the Raleigh Iceplex where they usually play their home games. But at the last backyard brawl I was at, there was over. Five thousand people like in the stands. They nearly filled the lower bowl at PNC Arena just with UNC and NC State fans, just all pouring in. The support this team gets is crazy, but like they love just the atmosphere. I feel like for that one
2: too because like it's it's a rivalry game. Obviously, there'll
3: be a few fights. There'll be a lot of. I remember seeing that
2: last year that like quite a few people got kicked out for getting in. Let's call them altercations. there's There's not
3: only fights in the on the ice. There's not like fist fights, but. There's a lot of verbal arguments that's spout out <laughs> in the stands, and I did watch a few different people get escorted out by security <laughs> the so, last year. So
2: yeah, if if you want just a fun day on the 25th, go to this game. Don't 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 get kicked out. Don't be that guy. Don't don't be that person. But go have a good time. Go go enjoy it. Go go do some hating on UNC like <laughs> NC State fans do. But yeah, coming up like
3: on their schedule, actually probably the. Toughest two games they'll probably have to, before they goes into the um, ACCHL tournament. Play they play Wake Forest at home and then play it's in a it's a home and home series. They will play him at um, iceplex and they'll go up to Wake Forest to play them. Wake Forest in their division is five and zero currently as well. They're undefeated in ACCHL play and they're actually a
2: very strong good team. So, they finished second actually in the Stephen Russell tournament. So for people that are slightly confused, I know when I like read ACCHL, I was like, oh Atlantic Coast Conference Hockey League. That's not quite. what it stands for, actually. What does it actually stand for, for anyone that might be confused? I know I was Atlantic confused. Atlantic Coast
3: Collegiate Hockey League.
2: Okay, so, yeah, it's got nothing to do with the ACC, just similar actors Just Atlantic
3: Coast Collegiate. Yeah. It's just kind of... Some some similar teams.
2: But it's not similar co- yeah. teams,
3: yeah, but it's not quite yeah, that that's just Yeah, like, that kind of ones.
2: threw me off when I first
0: so like, you'll see familiar about
3: Iceback. You'll see familiar names like Wake Forest, uh, UNC... Virginia. Virginia, Virginia But Virginia there'll also Tech. be teams like... UNC Wilmington will be in it.
0: Yeah, is Uh, uh, is Georgetown
3: ECU? Hmm? ECU Uh, ECU is there, but I think they're ranked M three, whereas it's men's third division. Ah, States up in the men's two division.
0: Oh, okay. All right. Well, we'll see what happens with all the hockey that we just discussed. Uh, Ryan, I want to thank you for coming on. um, You know, bringing all the hockey knowledge. As I said, it's kind of the episode where I bring in the people that are smarter than I am. So, thanks for coming on again. and uh, hopefully the canes will do you some good in the f- in the coming weeks. I
2: hope, good. Hopefully we get some more fantastic creative leads. I cannot wait to see what Definitely your next one, one has. Oh, I those. keep
3: I keep it interesting. You know, if you check out, I got I got fun tweets on Twitter that I got I got. Yeah, if I you, try to have fun with it, I try you, to keep it entertaining for the fans. If you don't
2: follow Ryan on Twitter. I would recommend it. It's his name backwards, so good luck figuring that out. Yeah, I'm I'm probably going to change that eventually.
0: That's, that's, <laughs> that's the
2: first thing I saw when
3: I made this in like high school. I was like, I'm just doing my name backwards. That's fun. That's quirky. That's right. edgy. And I moving on edgy. to
0: another club sport, I'm going to talk about ultimate just for a second here. Um, Alpha ultimate, the ultimate uh, team here at NC State, has you know really had success in the last couple of years, um, and now especially. In, uh, in the in this semester for sure a really deep team um, and hosted the brickyard Brawl tournament that was here at Miller Fields. Unfortunately that was cut short due to rain. Um, but it looked like NC State and UNC um, Dark side is the UNC's uh, ultimate team name were kind of the two best teams out there so um, but they didn't get to see that matchup and then the team went to Wilmington as a one seed in their pool um, ready for that challenge that was over. The two weekends ago, I believe, and came in fourth place, lost to, I think it was Ohio State in the semifinal, and then UNCW in the third place game. Uh, excuse me,
2: Camden, it's the Ohio State, they trademarked the that? The Ohio State, that's No, they attempted to trademark that. that, but please <laughs> refer to it as the Ohio State.
0: Um, Legally, that's not them. That's fair. That's true. Um, you got me there. And then, but I, you know, I talked to the, the captain today, Michael Lee. And he was kind of talking about how and they've been really trying to have the young guys play a lot. It seemed like last year that hurt them a little bit going into the end of the season in the spring, which is their main season, that their depth wasn't there because they played their starters a lot early. So um, really trying to get the young guys involved here. This coming weekend, they'll be traveling to Athens, Georgia, I believe it is. They'll be the sixth seed in the tournament. Um, It's their biggest tournament of the fall semester. UNC will be there, kind of the usuals that they that they usually face. And um, should be a really interesting tournament there. I think Pitt is their number one seed in their bracket. They'll be the number two seed in that pool. So uh, should be a really interesting weekend. Definitely keep an eye on Technician for all that. But I think that's all we have for you guys today. Thank you for tuning in to this quite a long episode, almost an hour here. Um, but a lot of good stuff, so make sure that you check us out on on Twitter, at TechSports, and Read all of our stuff online, technicianonline.com. But again, I'm your host, Technician Sports Editor Camden Spate.
2: I'm Assistant Sports Editor Nicholas Schnecker.
0: And we'll see you guys next time.